I want to talk about something that's pretty close to my heart, and I hope it's close to yours, which is that acting restoratively as a classroom teacher or a school leader is really a process. If we don't create an atmosphere of positive energy, it's going to come back and haunt us in the sense that the people around us will also fall into our negative patterns that we transmit. And I speak for myself when I say that I've worked in some settings where there it's very hard to remain positive and it's very hard to keep morale up as a teacher or as a leader because the atmosphere was permeated with negativity. And it's really hard keeping on, keeping on and waking up knowing that you're contributing and doing your best for students and that things around you are not going very well. So I want to just talk about how how far we've come in the sense that there's awareness in the workplace that uh, is never before. I mean, it's, there's still a long way to go. Um, But the inherent isms are still embedded within schools and the workplace. And thank goodness, there's some awareness of these isms, and that there's at least some acknowledgement. For example, when it comes to working in schools, sometimes the people who are in charge are uh, guilty of engaging in some of the most foul play and uh, not not so leadership-like activities. So workplace harassment and bullying happens in schools from people who, you know, say they are committed to the mission statement of a school and state they are dedicated, but their actions speak differently than their uh, their words. And uh, someday I'll tell my story, but having survived workplace harassment and bullying, I will state that I look at myself every day as someone who is growing and learning how to be a more effective teacher and leader within the span of what I can control. Nobody is perfect, but there is no reason to uh, create an atmosphere of hostility. And sometimes educators do this inadvertently with not just students, but with the, the other adults that they work with. And For example, the competitiveness or the culture of uh, writing people up and trying to ease people out and uh, leaving people out because they're not the right age, color, culture, size, or they're not perky. Uh, This this is inherent and it's it's noticeable. Um, So so some, some concrete examples are are women leaders and teachers treated differently than male teachers? And, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell because there are very few male teachers in a school culture, but sometimes people will inadvertently say things or do things to show that, indeed, feminism is, you know, something that's just an idea and that really there's still sexism 
going on in the workplace. I mean, it's getting better, but still there's traces of it. I mean, even as far back as 20 years ago, I still remember some sexist things that happened within the span of the workplaces where I worked, such as when teachers came back from maternity leave, they lost their coordinator positions, and suddenly there was a budget cut, and it was based on, you know, it was based on some uh, fib or lie or something. And then, indeed, there was this subtle feeling or tone that was sort of allowed 20 years ago. And the woman would always wind up having to defend herself, defend her position, fight. And, you know, I'm sure it's reversed, too, in terms of uh, now um, uh, others can talk about how they've been left out or not included or not considered for a position or their position was suddenly ended. But we want to become aware of these things as classroom leaders and school leaders. And most teachers are leaders of their classroom. Even if you work collaboratively with another teacher, you're a leader and the, the, the students pick it up. When adults don't treat each other right in the workplace, the students pick it up no matter how young they are, no matter how what what kind of a classification they have. They know it, and intuitively, there's a hostility in the air. And I think we all need to tell our stories and, and get some healing and do so in an appropriate manner. And we And part of the process is thinking about your own biases and making sure that those biases do not affect your decisions. It's easy to make a decision based on whether you like a student or not, whether you're afraid of them or not, whether you think they belong in your school or not. And doing the opposite, re thinking restoratively, means treating everybody as equal as possible, as equal and fair as possible, making sure that everybody, without your own you know, perception getting in the way. And that's not always easy because we all have our own lenses and we all have our own biases. And that's why working in a team is really important because when you hear the opinions of others, it sometimes helps a great deal. So I think about working restoratively as more than just having a circle or having a restorative conversation, but looking at the whole culture of the classroom in your school. How do the adults get along? Do they work through conflict? Or do they backbite, gossip, backstab? And do the people in power take advantage of the people who have little power? Do people subtly hold grudges and take things out on people just because they have a difference of opinion? We have to look at all of this stuff. And as a classroom teacher, you have the choice to change your thoughts. Even if your school is not engaged in restorative practices, you have the choice to change your thoughts on how to run your classroom and how to interact with the people that you work with. And if you're a school leader or you're a middle manager, such as an assistant principal, it's really important to have this awareness because it is so easy to say, oh, that teacher didn't say that because they're usually a good teacher, or that teacher didn't make that racist remark because they would never do that. 
and not to investigate or think about how the kid or the parent feels. It's important to get both sides of the story, and it's important to sit down at the table and look for healthy outcomes amongst the staff and students, amongst the staff and staff, and amongst the leaders. The leaders set the tone in the building. And I know this because, as I said, I will share my story someday, but I have been in situations where leaders have taken the liberty to use their power for something that is not good or purposeful. And that's not why you're in the position. You're in the position to motivate people, to help the children, to bring in curriculum. You're not in the position to hurt people, bring in your friends, and engage in corrupt activity. And I know it's kind of daring of me to say this, but I have to say it because I've seen it and I've seen good potential, good neighborhoods, good schools go and turn into um, places where people are turning against one another, not valuing each other, not valuing the talents, good good people's talents have gone to waste. And the, the children always know it, no matter how good your curriculum is, no matter how many uh, standardized tests you profess to have your students pass, if your teachers are leaving in droves, if your colleagues are turning against one another and vying for positions that of power and not earning those positions, that is not a restorative atmosphere. And we, we need to think about reflecting I think about reflecting all the time. What could I have done or said better in terms of my actions and reactions? Uh, and, and I think this is a culture where we, we all are a little bit defensive and on the edge because teachers are rated differently than they used to be. So speaking strictly about racism and sexism and the isms, and I think the, the isms are alive and well. And they're, they're better. They're better because there's an awareness and there's things to do if, if you see it. But they're, they're, still, they're still entrenched. And I think until each person, teacher, para, assistant, principal, provider, starts to look and own their own um, evil side and good side and, and, and integrate those, the, the good and evil together, then there, there won't be progress. As long as we're honest and we're open and that'll make a difference. But to do so, we have to be in a very safe setting. So being restorative means that we have to have safe safety and be in a safe workplace where we can uh, say things that are on our mind, not to just say, say them to say things, but to say things that matter and stick to the things that matter. So I had to say that a little bit to, to get that um, out there about building a positive and uh, inclusive community in schools. And also that if you are being um, harassed at work or if you are, see harassment, please let it end you know, with reporting it and feeling comfortable with speaking to at least somebody who is close and who is trustworthy. It's a terrible thing to be in that position and to feel alone. 
And we don't want to bring that energy to our students or to have to go to work every day knowing that terrible things might happen. And the opposite is building a powerful relationship with each other, whether you like each other, love each other, want to go away on vacation with each other is another story, but working through those interpersonal conflicts and learning to um, work closely with each other is really important so that you can build a restorative community. Thank you for listening.